matter how rational or sensible you think you are, you simply cannot make decisions after decisions without paying a mental price for it, right? And unlike physical fatigue, which we are consciously aware of, decision fatigue, it often happens without us really knowing about it. Hey beautiful people, welcome back to the Good Life Podcast with me, Noor. And me, Mizi Wahid. Thank you so much, you know, for choosing this channel, the Good Life Podcast, to keep you company wherever you're at. I hope everyone's staying safe with all that's going on around the world right now. I hope that you stay clean, stay hygienic, <laughs> and always protect yourselves. And remember to rest when you need to rest. And remember to stay at home when you feel a little bit under the weather. It's important that we care for ourselves as well as those around us. Yeah, so it's important to listen to your body. You know, take the breaks, take the rest that you need when you know you're not feeling okay and you're feeling kind of off. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I love reading all the messages. Mm-hmm. I love reading like, you know, all the insights that we're getting from our page as well. It's mm. such an amazing feeling when I see that people say that, oh, you know, um, hearing this episode, it, it really like transformed and really changed their lives. And mm. I feel that that is something that really motivates us mm. to come up with, you know, interesting, compelling, you know, episodes to share with you, our dear listeners, and to also invite guest experts on the show to talk about important, critical issues mm. that, you know, we need to, to be educated on yeah yeah and another amazing thing i noticed is that i think we took a like a one week off or something where we we didn't really upload anything or was it only just one episode but i saw some people um sharing old episodes they were mm-hmm. listening to yeah. uh, we have new people following us and they're going all the way from the very beginning the first episode uh and that's always nice yeah to to realize that even your old work, your old material is still being appreciated very yeah, much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I feel that is a good thing, you know, like, you know, even for myself, when I listen to podcast episodes, I feel that I, each time, each time that I re-listen to the episode, it kind of like brings on a different perspective and angle probably something that maybe i missed out during the first time when i listened to it and i feel that by re-listening to the episode each and every time i feel that i learn new things even though it's exactly the same words that have been like said yes. and conversed. so so way before podcasts were around i was uh, a fan of audiobooks mm-hmm. so I bought a bunch of audiobooks and sometimes they're not audiobooks per se but they're audio programs and in the past you would purchase them in CDs right yeah. and uh, I used to buy these from uh, like what uh, Borders bookstore when it was around back then and I would play them when I'm driving in the car and I would listen to them. And of course, when you're driving, your mind is thinking of many things. So when you have that thing on, it helps because I'm learning something every single time. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that when I start the whole CD from the very beginning once again, and it's it could be even the seventh time I'm listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then I notice, hey, wait. I never heard that part before. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the interesting yeah. thing about our mind because when, as I'm listening to it, one of the ideas that is presented in that audio book or audio program will hit me hard mm-hmm. and it will cause my mind to wonder, 
Yeah. And, you know, like I start imagining things, I start reflecting on my own life and then I'm going to miss the next five minutes of whatever that's being said. <laughs> and only when my mind is at another, a different state, when it's calmer, when those ideas I feel like has already been addressed, then my mind is ready to take in new information and that's when I suddenly pick up, wow, this sounds like some brand new material when yeah. I actually it's something different. Yeah. And I guess this relates to what we're talking about today, the art of thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, how our mind works is really interesting. Yeah. I'm always blown away by new facts and information um, that biologists and psychologists find out about how we think and the way we think and what obstructs our thinking and what influences our decisions and so yeah I'm looking forward so Nora take over yeah so today's episode it's all about the mind and you know what I was just thinking um, I feel that a lot of times people they tend to want to run away from their thoughts from their mind mm. and I feel that that is such a huge tragedy because you see that man's greatest creations and inventions like for example um, the airplane right like for us, you know, being in this podcast studio, the mics, the technology that's been, you know, upcoming in the past coming uh, past recent years, right? It's amazing transformations. And I feel that that was only possible because man took the opportunity to use the mind as a tool to come up with mm-hmm. such amazing creations. Yeah. So can you imagine if, you know, people went on living on this earth thinking, oh, you know, I, I don't want to to go into my mind and see what's in it, you know, and to discover and uncover yeah. what things I can really um, leverage and tap on, mm. right? Exactly. So imagine if everyone allowed their the noise in their heads to always dominate their thoughts and not giving themselves a break you know like a chance to just have complete silence for mm-hmm. a while um, it would prevent new and exciting ideas yeah. to come through and that would become a hindrance for new inventions and innovations and ideas creations to mm-hmm. come about yeah. that could benefit the world that could change the way we live yes. so I think this is a very important topic for us to discuss yeah, today. And I'm really um, excited to talk yeah, about it. Exactly. All <laughs> right. So, okay, our dear listeners, I, I want you to imagine this, right? Imagine that um, your house right now is filled with a gazillion cobwebs, <laughs> insects crawling, flying around. It's disgusting, mm. right? And you have like food scraps like laying around on the table, on the chairs smeared on the walls of your house, mm-hmm. your clothes messily left on the floor, unwashed. And, you know, your carpet that you have, it has that damp, you know, carpet kind of odour. You know, mm-hmm. it's funky. It smells funky. I can actually literally <laughs> smell it right now. Visualise that, okay? Yeah. Have that in mind. And then another thing, the trash has not been taken out for mm. months. So can you imagine the... Doesn't pungent- sound like a house anymore, no? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a dump. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So can you imagine that? And that is exactly what it looks like when your mind is disorganized, when mm. your mind is super cluttered, mm. right? It's impossible for you to live in exactly. It's not a house. For it's those a of, dump. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you listening and you're trying to 
uh, imagine what Nora just described. It sounds gross. It is. But <laughs> try to imagine that to be the state of your mind right now. Mm-hmm. And if you somewhat agree with it, I want you to get uncomfortable with this feedback that we're giving you because this is the state that many of our minds are at, in all honesty, and we have been avoiding it. We have been, you know, like sometimes when, I mean, what Nora just described is extremely exaggerated of course but <laughs> imagine like even your room and you know there's a there's a corner of your room that's just messy and you don't want to look at it you keep ignoring it you keep dumping stuff on top of it um after a while you know it's gonna get really bad yeah uh and the reason why it remains that way is because we do not want to address it mm-hmm. we don't want to spend some time to clear it but what we want everyone to do in this episode is to start looking at the areas of your life that is as cluttered as how we described it so that you can start um, doing something about it. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we want you to start really taking a, a stock check of what's going on in your mind right now mm-hmm. to see at which state you are at because only with that self-awareness of what's really going on within can you then, um, you know, take the necessary relevant actions to ensure that you are moving ahead, moving forward, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, here are some examples of what mental clutter actually look like. For example, things like, you know, worrying about the future, ruminating about the past, you know, where all these um, thoughts about your past experiences are just um, replaying in your mind over and over again. Um, things such as keeping a long mental list of your to-dos, thinking about the email replies that you have to attend to, the project deadlines, um, even thinking about you know your Instagram posts and how many likes that you would like to have, checking mm. it each and every time. Um, even things like debating, oh, where do I go eat for lunch right now? So these are the kind of things, right, that we often have have stored in our mind that we think about. And in, you know, a cluttered mind, it what happens is that it tries to like move in different directions all at once. Mm. And that's the crazy thing, right? And when that happens... The result is that you can get you get very very little things done mm-hmm. because you try to do everything mm. all at once. Mm-hmm. And have you noticed that when your mind is actually busy, when it's actually um, engaged in a bazillion things, it's really hard for you to focus on the now, mm. on the present, right? So mental clutter it prevents you from being focused on the present. So that's where your mind like gravitates either. Um, to the past or into the future. As a new mom or as a seasoned mom, preparing for motherhood is such a beautiful thing. However, sometimes when it comes to planning for your child's financial needs, it can be pretty stressful. The thing is, it may not be a stressful situation if you plan and take action early. At MFA Group, they offer a wide suite of bundle plans catered to your needs and your child's needs, from a savings plans for your child's education to personal accident plans that cover illnesses such as dengue fever, hand, foot and mouth disease, and any injury that kids are prone to, and even protection for expecting moms. So, to make sure that you and your family are better protected, don't wait any further. Schedule a free session with the MFA Group team at www www.mfeg.sg backslash home or visit the social media platforms at mfegsg.
And why is that so? Why is it that our mind tends to like drift when our mind is so disorganized? Because we are letting, you know, for example, administrative details overrun our important ideas. Mm. We let digital distractions in. We try to do everything all at once. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that how our brains work is that our brains and our minds, it likes order. It needs order. It cannot function with a lot of disorganization, right? So, you know, the constant visual reminders of the disorganization, it drains our um, cognitive resources, Mm -hmm. which then reduces our ability to actually focus. So one of the things I noticed is that when, um, when we don't live in the present, it's because of something that we have yet to address, Mm -hmm. either because we are afraid to address it, or we cannot do anything about it yet, even. So, for example, um, things that bother our minds to the point where we have no peace and we cannot live in the moment, and they remain as clutter, is like when you go to the doctor... Uh, and the doctor says you need to go for extra checkups mm-hmm. and then they say the results will come out in a week yeah can you imagine what happens in the next six oh seven days oh my god <laughs> your mind is worrying non-stop yeah. and the doctor yeah. is not even giving you any hints on how bad it could be yeah. or whether this is you know benign and on a, a non-issue right nothing mm-hmm. to be too worried about but because you are left hanging like that yeah. it's a problem yes for some people uh some of you working and you have a boss and suddenly you get an email from the boss, uh, I need to see you. Mm. <laughs> Whether it is 30 minutes later or three days later, it's really going to mess with your mind, yeah. right? Like, wow, what did I do wrong? What is oh, he going to no. say? Yeah. Am I going to lose my job? Yeah. Am I going to be reprimanded for something I did, something I said, something I didn't do? It's going to yeah. go crazy. Yes. And these are examples of things that you cannot do much about, right? But how do you um, gain clarity in those situations is a question that you need to know uh, and try to figure out yourself because mm-hmm. I believe that we all deal with these thoughts differently. Mm-hmm. You deal with it differently. I deal with it differently. Yeah. Nika deals with it differently. We all deal with it in different ways, in unique ways, depending on uh, what we know works mm-hmm. for us yeah. because we all have different ways. Uh, but I just want to just bring it up there. Right? Yeah. These are issues. These are things. These are problems. You know, Some people in business, they get, uh, a lawsuit mm-hmm. for something that their product has or yeah. provides and then oh my god and this is going to take months of yeah. worrying and constant worrying and not knowing what to do so you know this and many other things takes away the joy of living in the present yes and that's it. that is why if we are not in any of the examples I just mentioned it means that we still have um, some kind of um, ability to try to clean up Mm-hmm. and declutter our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and that is a powerful position to be in. So I hope that we try to do something about it. Yeah, mm. that is so, so true. And speaking about staying the present, living the present, I would like to just share um, one of the realizations that you know I had during my therapy sessions. Mm-hmm. So my, my therapist was um, saying that um, one of the things that I was dealing with was to really, really be in the present. I Mm. thought Mm -hmm. I was staying the present, Mm -hmm. being the present, but I wasn't because, you know, in one of the episodes, I talked about the inner child, Mm -hmm. right? So each and every one of us, we have an inner child, we have the adult self. So the adult self is what we see right now, Mm -hmm. present today. The role of the adult self is to be able to protect the inner child. So what I realized is that 
um, there are certain parts in my life where I get that frustration within. You know, like I know I have inner goals, right? Like I want to achieve, you know, this and this and that. But there are times when I don't achieve it and that results in frustrations within. And then I'm like, what is wrong? You know, I thought I'm doing everything right, but what is wrong? So one of the things that she pointed out was that perhaps that adult self, you know, she is ready. She mm-hmm. wants to conquer the world mm-hmm. and go out there because she has all these goals you know, laid out mm-hmm. and, you know, all the plans that she wants to embark on. But the inner child within her, perhaps, maybe she's not ready and what is happening. So what is causing that frustration within is because inside of me, it's like a tug of war kind of game. Mm. You know, like me, the adult self, I want to like pull and go full steam ahead. But my inner child is like, wait, hold on, mm. hold on. You know, mm. I I have certain wounds, certain issues that I still need to look into. So mm. wait for me. And I was thinking, you know, if if I were to uh, were so to be a you, parent, do you agree with the assessment? And yes, the I'm like, oh my god, this is so true. Mm. Because and I was also thinking, like, you know, for example, if I were to be a parent, mm-hmm. right, to my child, and if I truly loved her unconditionally, you know, and if it's just a baby, I wouldn't be telling my baby, hey, walk right now. <laughs> if all she can do is, you know, roll on her back and probably crawl around, I wouldn't be telling her that. But why am I doing that to my own inner child? Mm. Why am I rushing her to walk when all she can do right now is to crawl? Mm. So I feel that that was such a huge realization for me. I'm like, okay, perhaps what I need to do is just to kind of like slow down. Mm. And she said this, let your mantra be this, you know, let your mantra be, let every day be a day where you just be. Mm. Let you just be. Mm. Yeah. So for those of you where, you know, especially when you've been living on an overdrive mind, you'll be asking, how do I just be? Mm. What do you mean just be? <laughs> I don't know how to do that because your mind is always like, you know, an o- on overdrive, thinking of a bazillion things. It's hard for you to just like pause mm. right now, you know, and just take a step back and see what are the things that you need to filter out from your mind mm. to declutter so that you can really think clearly. You can yeah. really think clearly. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I think, many years ago, again, one of the audio programs that um, I was listening to was Tony Robbins, and he said, at the end of the day, we are human beings, not human doings. Mm, yeah. Uh, but we are so busy doing stuff that we forget how to be. Yeah. How to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go into let's dive into the strategies and techniques in terms of how you can clean out, you know, your mind, filter out your mind and make room and make space for things that really do matter in your lives. So the first step is this. Get rid of physical clutter. Mm. Right? Because a cluttered space means a cluttered mind. Mm -hmm. A decluttered space means a decluttered mind. Mm. So believe it or not, physical clutter, it actually affects your brain. Research does indeed show cluttered home environments. It negatively influences the perception of our homes Mm -hmm. and ultimately our satisfaction of our own lives. Mm. Right? Because we define home not just as a place that we live in, but the broader constellation of experiences meanings and situations that shape and actively shape, you know, by a person um, in the creation of his or her life world, right? Because 
the, the, the home that we're in is not just a physical space. We need to remember that it's mm. not just a physical space, but it's, it's, it's something that is more than that, right? So I feel that the first step in you know, clearing out that, that, um, that mess and that chaos in your head is try to declutter your physical space. Nor have you ever had <laughs> one of those days where you were on a cleansing, cleaning frenzy? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> yes. out of the blue, you know, like I've had some of those days where, <laughs> you know, I've allowed my living room to look the way it is, yeah. but I knew that I wanted to do something about it, yeah. but I kept on putting it off. You know, I had I, I told myself I'm busy. When I'm home, I tell myself I need to rest, but I never do anything about it. And then mm-hmm. one day I wake up and I'm like, no, I need to change this. Yeah. This has to go. I need to rearrange the furniture. Yeah. And I realized that that usually happens when I'm in a state of, desperately wanting to have a bit more clarity in my head mm-hmm. because I'm about to make some big decisions in my life or yeah. in my business or, you know, in uh, the direction where I want to go. Yes. So, uh, I completely am on board with the concept that you're presenting, the theory, which is that if your desk is cluttered, it is mm-hmm. a reflection of your the state of your mind. Yeah. If your house is cluttered, it translates to everything else that is going on in your life and vice versa like if your life is cluttered look at your house look at your desk look at your bed look at everything else look at your car even right (laughs) so um, everything is a reflection of everything else and as the saying goes anything you do is everything you do Mm -hmm. so we need to be very uh, aware of this and do something about the things that are actually bothering us. Yeah. Mm. You know, when I was going through a really tough time um, back then, um, one of the things that I did was doing a major room transformation. Yeah. So, I walked into my room and I was like, I'm not loving the colour. Like, Mm. it was, I mean, it was sandy brown at that time. You know, I was into the whole resortish kind of thing. So, everything (laughs) was like brown hues. (laughs) So, I was like, okay. At that time, it worked. But, you know, after a while, I'm like, I, I need a change mm. because my mind was, it had so many thoughts going on. I felt that it was like going through war, mm-hmm. right? So I just needed to change something. And I felt that I I couldn't really have control at that time in terms of organizing my thoughts. But mm. what I felt, you know, low-hanging fruits, it was changing my physical space. It was something that I felt was easier to do yes. compared to okay, let me see how do I filter my, my mind and my thoughts right now. Which can be a lot more intimidating. Correct. You, it requires Scary. a bit more time. Scary as well. You need to also mm. like, you know, talk to the right people to mm. help you through to process all the em- uh, emotions. But the most doable thing is actually to clean your desk and yes. clean your house. Yeah. yeah. So you know what I did? Mm. I went to the paint shop. I bought like three paints of white, uh, white paint. Mm. And I did everything myself. I sanded my walls. Oh my God. But you know, I got sick in the process. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I took like seven days oh. to paint my room, to like refurnish a lot of things. Mm. To, I bought like new um, cool canvases. So now it has a very tropical, jungle, greenish <laughs> sort of theme. And I love it. It's very like white and so cool. Mm. <laughs> so so yeah, I feel that, you know, try it out. You know, if you feel that, you know, at, at this point in time, you're very overwhelmed with your thoughts try just you know cleaning your physical space because that is something that is doable Mm -hmm. that is something that's doable so try it out and you will see and you will feel the difference like my gosh Mm. at the end of the one week when i saw my finished product i was like 
good job, no? Mm. Good job. Mm. Even though you fell sick in the process, but you did it. You yep. did it on your own. Yep. Well yeah. Well done. <laughs> okay, I want to share one other tip. Uh, and it is to think differently by mixing around with people with different ideas and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is very helpful and powerful, I feel, because imagine always hanging around the same people and they always talk about the same stuff. And the stuff they talk about are not necessarily empowering things. They might be purely entertainment or it's just talking about other people and other people's lives and other people's drama. Mm-hmm. And it does not bring you places. It does not help you address the clutter in your mind. Uh, I love hanging around and meeting different people from different backgrounds with different ideas and different life experiences because it broadens my perspective. Yeah. And if there was even any clutter in my head that is, you know, even one corner of my mind that is cluttered, usually I find that it would resolve itself. It would clean itself up mm-hmm. when I talk to different people who present me a different perspective about something that I've always been looking at from one angle. Yeah. One one perspective. And I think when we find our ourselves uh, unable to make certain important decisions in our life because we cannot see a different way of doing things from a different angle, then the best thing that we can do is spend time with people who think differently than you do. Mm-hmm. Because people whose experiences and expertise are different from yours will always allow you to see something differently. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is uh, one of the tools mm-hmm. that you can consider doing and one of the solutions. Yeah. So nowadays, you know, what I'm doing is that I'm meeting um, lots of entrepreneurs. I'm doing my business coaching and I'm looking at uh, Singaporeans, Malaysians, um, all types of services and products and people selling cookies to people selling shoes to people yeah. selling jewelry and people selling services and training and I'm I'm really enjoying this process because even though I'm there to supposedly help them mm-hmm. I realize that I'm being helped in the process too yeah because uh, when when they tell me their story and they tell me their struggles and they tell me how they overcame some difficult moments I learn too mm-hmm. and so I would encourage uh, our listeners today is if you've been hanging around the same people, try to find new friends. I think that's very good. I think, Noor, when you came to Safina and you you made lots of new friends, right? Yes, I did. Isn't it nice? Wonderful people. You're still in, in contact with some of them? Yes, yeah. yes, I am. So, and then the more you go to different places, you go to school now, you're studying, you meet different people there. Yeah. Every place you go and you travel, you, you're going to travel too, hopefully. Yes, yes, inshallah. Whatever that's happening with the virus, <laughs> I hope you, you get to travel. When you yeah. travel... You know, you get to meet different people from different nationalities. That's always a wonderful thing. So I want to encourage you guys to break out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. If you guys have been living in it for a long time and start opening up to meeting new people because, um, you know, instead of what you think might happen, which is fear of you not knowing enough, you not knowing much, Mm -hmm. you're not interesting enough. Actually, what you're going to get from it is that you're going to bounce off each other new ideas and everyone's going to benefit. Yeah, I love that point because I personally feel that perspective is everything. Mm. And for you to be able to gain and acquire that perspective, you need to allow yourself to be immersed in different environments, Mm -hmm. right? And not be just living in an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. You know, not be living in a bubble. And this is something that brings uh, us to our next point about confirmation bias, Mm -hmm. right? 
awareness of our confirmation bias. Yep. So what is that? Confirmation bias is basically where people, they have a way of thinking that they are so fixated on that, you know, they will only look out for things that will support, confirm and justify the way of thinking mm-hmm. and viewpoint. So let me give you an example. So for instance, a person who just got their heart broken mm-hmm. from being in a relationship where their ex-partner cheated on them, mm-hmm. betrayed them. Mm-hmm. Right. And now coming out from that relationship, they tell themselves this never again, never will I ever open up my heart and never will I ever trust a guy out there because all guys are jerks. Mm. Right. So, you know, this is speaking in the extremes, Mm. something that is very defensive, something that has an indirect expression of the person's underlying feelings. And, you know, this way of speech usually happens when a person has been invalidated of the experiences or they have been hurt before. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that when you allow your mind to be fixated on that all or nothing kind of viewpoint, Mm -hmm. you actually actively look out for news or evidence to further your claim and your viewpoint. So let's say, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram and you saw um, headlines of couples who used to be together but now they're no longer together, right? They broke up. Because of a betrayal. Yeah, probably. Be, yeah, because they cheated and they on like, them. And they like, see? Yeah, see? Uh-huh, this look This is what at I thought. Them. All men are the same. Yes, all men are jerks. Now look at the success stories of breakups, right? I am so right. Relationships are never ever going to last. They're just going to end up in pain, pain, and more pain. And because of that, I should never allow myself to jump into an, another relationship ever again. I'm going to give a more light, light-hearted <laughs> example. I, I'm totally agreeable with that. Another lighthearted example, I'm a Liverpool fan. Uh-huh. And then some I know a lot of my listeners are not, so they're <laughs> going to hit me. So um, as a Liverpool fan, uh, our biggest rivals are Manchester United. And so as a, if, if I, fo- I follow a ton of Liverpool pages on uh, Instagram. So usually what Liverpool fans love to do is we love to banter. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we make fun of the others. And then every time a Manchester United fan says something and then it ends up wrong or they predict a result and it's totally off and we love m- making fun of that more and more. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the Manchester United fans see the exact same thing all the time but it's to <laughs> us, towards us, you know. It's like confirmation bias is like whatever you look for out there and then you see it once and you experience it once and you either love it so much or you hate it a lot the you start looking out for more of those things mm-hmm. um, and you and you need to so to, to a certain extent you need to see it because yeah. it confirms whatever your beliefs are yeah. like oh those fans are horrible or these fans are lousy <laughs> and things like that yeah so but it goes a lot deeper you know some from something very lighthearted we can go all the way very deep to even uh, people who have um, uh, biases towards certain races mm-hmm. and religions yeah. right we look at another person of a different skin colour and say yeah people like that are always like that yeah. and that's horrible yeah. uh, or people of uh, this particular faith they're like this and so we need to be aware that we cannot continue to be like this mm-hmm. because it is unhealthy and sometimes it affects uh, relationships with people yeah mm. Yeah, that that is absolutely true. So I feel, you know, that 
instead of looking of point of views that back up your already existing perspective, perhaps, I feel that it's also important to also seek out for contradictory evidence to your way of thinking, you know, to challenge yourself, to um, to kind of like debate with your inner self in, in a healthy way, right? So that I feel that through such debates, through healthy debates, it mm-hmm. actually allows you to grow and to develop a healthy mind and not one which is filled with all sorts of biases. Uh, one thing you can try to do is to try writing down your beliefs. Mm, so you yeah. spend half an hour or so, sit down in a cafe and have a piece of paper on, on your tablet and then start writing down, these are my beliefs. I believe that all men are jerks. Mm-hmm. Now. I believe <laughs> that all Manchester United fans are horrible. I believe that <laughs> whatever your beliefs may be, I believe that the government is not on our side. I believe that... So, for example, just what I based on what I just said, no matter who, or no matter what the policies are, even if it may benefit you or your family, you will still disagree with it because, no, I just don't like mm-hmm. them. Uh, but even more so when something bad happens. Yeah. For example, people can link anything to everything, like even if it's so far-fetched, but they will link everything back. For yeah. example... Like I saw in the news this morning that the train broke down for 15 minutes and already there'll be people attacking the government. It's 15 minutes. It's not the whole day. I mean, it has happened before, but it's just 15 minutes. So people are just going to recede. It always happens. The government is horrible. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. So we need to write down all of our beliefs and then get um, uh, real with the discomforting evidence yeah. of oh my god I am biased be real with yourself <laughs> oh my goodness I do always think that women are not good enough to be in my industry mm-hmm. and like all these things needs to be written down on a piece of paper so that you can see and get uh, uncomfortable with it yeah uh, and then start axing them out yeah like it, it's it's as uncomfortable as if you have a friend that you've been with for the last 15 years and you need to ax them out of your life because mm-hmm. they're not good for you. Yeah. And some of these beliefs, you need to treat them in that way. Yeah, and I feel that, you know, in order to ax out the negative and toxic habits and patterns in your life, you have to first identify what are those patterns, what are those habits, because a pattern stops being a pattern when you actually stop doing it, right? When mm. you actually replace and substitute it with something that is healthier for you to do and not kind of like bring you down the rabbit hole each and every time true true yeah so let's go on to the next point and it is on decision fatigue to be aware of decision fatigue so what is that so decision fatigue is um the deterioration of our ability to make good decisions to think rationally and logically and why does this deterioration happen it is because of you know a very long session of one decision after another decision mm-hmm. after another decision, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is that it ends up in a situation where one tends to act impulsively instead of expanding the energy to first think through the consequences, mm-hmm. right? So it is something that I feel happens every day in our lives because every single day from the moment we wake up, we already have to make a decision, mm. <laughs> right? Like for instance, uh, am I going to get out from my bed? <laughs> am I going to stay in bed? What to wear? Am I going to shower today? What, what <laughs> you know? to wear? Yeah, oh my what God, to no, wear? You actually ask yourself that question. No, am I, I don't. Shower? I, I don't. Obviously, oh I don't. It's I need to like, rethink our friendship now that you think example. about showering. <laughs> I think one of the biggest things that people always wonder, like what am I going to wear? Uh-huh. I think that's a real thing. Yes, um, yes. Uh, what else? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, my schedule is pretty flexible, although Nika will tell me what I need to do. <laughs> but, you know, I still get get a say in whether I want today to be a packed day or I want today to be a bit more relaxed day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having lesser things to decide on because I made the decisions earlier helps. Yeah. So when I wake yeah. up, I don't feel tired that I have to make a lot of decisions because half of them have already been made. She would tell me that this is my schedule. And that helps a lot. In yeah. the past, I was still making decisions as the day is going along. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that it was part of what gave me, you know, like a, a burnout. Mm. Uh, and yeah. so, yeah, yeah, having that figured out was really helpful. Yeah, I can resonate with that because I must admit, like as a woman, mm-hmm. there are times that I, I agonize over what I'll be wearing. Like, mm. oh my God, you know, there are so many choices. Like for instance, what earrings would work with the outfit, which That's lipstick just too color? Much, too much, man, to process. <laughs> you know what lipstick color? <laughs> what foundation brand do Women I want to use today? have a lot more to think about. I, I think. know, right? Yeah. Look at the makeup. Like, okay, look at my makeup. My makeup mm. box. It's filled with a lot of makeup. Even even after I've did like you know some spring cleaning and mm. kind of cleaned a lot of the expired makeup, but still, I still do have like quite a number of foundation brands that I need to like think, okay, which one do I need to choose today? <laughs> you know, and use, you know, and things such as, um, what kind of footwear do I want to wear? Sport shoes, mm-hmm. um, platforms, kitten heels, stilettos, and my hair. How do I want to style it? In a bun? Do I want to curl it? Too much, too much, too much. <laughs> like, oh my God. So can you imagine <laughs> the choices, the decisions that I have to make? And I feel that one of the things that really help, right, for me is to plan the night the day before. Especially if I know that the next day I have to kind of wear a bit more... Formal? Yeah, a bit more formal. I have to put a bit more effort in dressing up. Then I will make it an effort to plan the night or day before Mm -hmm. so that the next day when I wake up, there's really minimal decisions that I have to make. And what that does is that I can focus on being in the now Mm. and focus on the day, the now. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, the point about having too many decisions to make and part of it being what to wear, uh, I'm sure you've read about the late Steve Jobs and even Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. They always wear the same thing every day. They wear the same black top. They wear the same jeans Uh to work. And they say this actually removes a lot of that Mm -hmm. worry and anxiety and overthinking because they know that they need to reserve their energy in their heads for other major and more important things in their business and in their life. And that's something helpful, you know. What if you have all of your clothes settled for the whole week? Mm-hmm. I think that would help a lot. Yeah. Because I don't think you're going to be like Mark Zuckerberg and wear a black t-shirt. <laughs> and which I'm, I'm wearing a black t-shirt today. And just a pair of uh, khaki pants or a pair of jeans. And then you're settled every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to figure out if it's not what you wear, what else can you not have to deal with? Maybe it's what you eat. Maybe you know every day this is where I'm going to eat or this is what I'm going to eat. Yeah. That helps too. Yeah. Because how many couples argue about <laughs> where do we go today for our dinner yeah. and things like that. It can be it, stressful, you know. Very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this reminds me also even like President Obama. 
You know, he even um, kind of reduces the number of decisions he has to make. So he either wears like grey or black suits. Mm-hmm. And he says that, you know, this simplification of his life, it really helps him to manage his life as a president so that it can actually cut away the mundane um, sort of task and that he can focus on the more important decisions. And I feel that this example is not to say that um, it's not important to like dress up and just wear the same outfits as what you said, right? You know, especially, I, think he, I think Obama looks sharp. He looks so cool. Mm, but <laughs> I think it's just about deciding, okay, these are the only two colours I'm gonna... Yeah. Mm. And and it really reduces the stress. And you know, for those people who are like fashionistas, they love dressing up. I feel that do that, right? Don't don't like, you know, limit yourself to just wearing one one type of clothing or one type of colour. Um, I feel that it's okay for you to still dress like fancy and stuff, but I feel that there is a way for you to streamline all those multiple decisions that you have to make for yourself so that you don't actually burden or overwhelm you. So one mm-hmm. of the things that works for me is to be able to plan in advance. That mm-hmm. that really works. Right. And another example on decision fatigue okay so one of the very common situations of decision fatigue that we go through is for example going to the supermarket Mm. hungry and shopping for groceries can you relate to that (laughs) a little bit I I know it's never a good time to go when you're hungry. Yeah. Because you're gonna start throwing stuff in the basket. It's never a good time for me. Yeah. I can come up with a grocery list, but when I go there, everything everything looks super duper amazing. And Mm. I'm like, I'll have like, you know, that's when I I tend to like junk. I buy like, you know, junk food like chips. A lot, right? Yeah, it's so unhealthy. I'm actually in that state right now (laughs) where my kitchen is filled with a bunch of junk food. Oh no. That I overbought during Uh days when I thought I was really hungry and I needed to snack a lot. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, it's still there. I'm not eating that. (laughs) (laughs) You've got good self-control. Yeah. I don't think I can do that. Like, the moment, like, if my mom were to stock up chips, she loves Lay's potato chips. I have Lay's at home. Yeah, It's hard, you know, like, at night I'll be like, ooh, I'm craving, while I'm watching the reruns of Friends, I'm like, I'm craving (laughs) some Lay's potato chips. (laughs) But it's okay, you know, because you work out a lot. So I don't as much as you. So I I shall not. I shall not. Yeah, and and, and another example that I thought of is, you know, Ramadan Bazaar, like when you're fasting, Mm -hmm. when you go through like hunting for food when you're fasting, oh my God. Very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And I realized that when I've broken my fast, I have all the excess food just staring back at me. I'm like, hey, you're lucky today. You're not going to be eaten. No, even on the table after <laughs> after iftar, the food is still there. It's A lot still, of it. It's still there. And that's wastage, you know. Yeah, that's wastage. But anyway, that's an example of us not being able to think clearly because yeah. our stomachs are empty and we yeah. think we want and need everything. Yeah. Mm. And another interesting one that I was reading up is this thing on the parole example. Do you know that there was one study um, they did in uh, US? Researchers, they looked at more than 1,100 parole hearing decisions mm-hmm. made by judges in the United States. Mm-hmm. And what they discovered was that the most influential factor in whether or not someone was granted parole it wasn't based on the crime that they did or the background or the sentences but it was at what time of the day their case was being heard so prisoners who appeared early in the morning they received parole about 70 percent of the time while those who appeared late in the day 
were paroled less than 10% of the wow, time. Wow, that's that, huge. Man, that the is a very interesting finding. So it's really the, the mood that they're in, perhaps? Yeah, because like, you know, they're exhausted. As they, yeah, as mm. they progress throughout the day, they probably have seen and heard many cases and because mm. of that, it kind of, you know, sucks out their energy and their ability to make logical and rational decisions. Mm. So wow. I, I, I really, you know, feel those... Um, um, those who, who get the later Yeah, the slots. inmates who have to get their hearing in the later part of the day, right? So, you know, I feel that no matter how rational or sensible you think you are, you simply cannot make decisions after decisions without paying a mental price for it, right? And unlike physical fatigue, which we are consciously aware of, decision fatigue, it often happens without us really knowing about it. Right, So I challenge the listeners to consider how many small decisions you mm-hmm. make each morning before you even leave the house. right, And then combine that with all the small and large decisions you make at school or mm-hmm. at work. So for instance, choosing where to buy your coffee, what coffee you want to get, are you getting um, having breakfast um, before you leave home or you know at a place near your workplace, you know even opening the door for someone, that is a decision that you have to make. You know smiling at someone, that is a decision that your mind has to make. So I feel that it's no wonder by midday, you know, you've made hundreds, if not thousands of decisions and that's why it leaves you feeling fatigued. Maybe not thousands though. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. I think I read um, an article once, a study, they said that CEOs mm-hmm. of major companies, yep. they make about 300 over decisions per day. And they don't even realize it. And you only have how many hours of work a day, but mm-hmm. you make 300 decisions. And that's a lot. And uh, and it's really a combination of even the small, minor decisions I yeah. don't realize. Like, okay, um, do you want to, you know, move these things or not? You want to keep, keep it here? You want to get rid of the stock or not? You want to change vendor? Do you want to mm-hmm. remove this stuff? You don't want to hire interns? You want to, you know, lot of, lots of things that they have to make by the minute that yeah. you don't even realize that by the end of the day they're so tired and so fatigued yeah. it's because they've made so many decisions yeah. yeah and you know that decision fatigue it also affects your willpower so mm-hmm. um, imagine willpower is like a muscle so our willpower is like a muscle and similar to the muscles in your body willpower can get fatigued when you use it over and over again so every time you make a decision it's like doing another rep in the gym, mm. right? And similar to how your muscles get tired um, towards the end of the workout, it's similar to the strength of your willpower. It feeds as you make more decisions in your day. It's interesting <laughs> that Nora is giving this example when she just hurt herself carrying oh, a yes. in the gym. Oh my God. <laughs> She's wearing a cast, but guys. But I, 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 mean, I guess mm. it's a redirection to work on my other um, muscle group. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stay positive, That's y'all. That's the wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I think at the end of the day, I think it's really important to know that you have only so much of energy to go around to make you know good decisions. And you need to make sure that for the most part of the day, you make logical good decisions for yourself, right? Mm. So cut down on unimportant decisions that you make a day so that you can save your decision-making muscle for the more important stuff. True. Yeah. Can I add one more perspective sure. on this whole art of thinking clearly? I see a lot of people today in the age of social media, we look at people that we admire um, for their success and we look up to them mm-hmm. and we say, I want to be like them or I think I can do what they do. Yeah. Uh, but I think there is some danger in that as well 
where um, it's because on social media, triumph and success is made more visible than failure. Mm, People yeah. normally portray their successes more than they do their failures. Yes. And so this affects our ability to make rational decisions and think clearly because we overestimate our ability to also achieve the things that we think we can achieve. Mm. I'm all for being optimistic, but sometimes some um, types of optimism is a bit naive. Mm -hmm. uh, like you don't factor in all the hard work. You don't yeah. factor in the um, sacrifices that you have to make. You don't even factor in the failures that are part of the success. Mm -hmm. You just think that if they can do it and they're 22 and I'm 30, I'm sure I can do it a lot faster, a lot quicker. Yeah. I can make a lot more money. I can gain more influence in uh, the community and so on and so forth. So we... Um, as an outsider observing someone else's success mm -hmm. can easily succumb to an illusion. Yeah. This illusion is not uh, real. It is not exactly how you think it to be. And uh, what we do is that we mistake how um, small and how minuscule mm. the likelihood of our own success Right and and how it may or may not happen. So yeah. we need to also be aware because we are living in these times now. <laughs> Everyone's showing the best parts of their life. Yeah, and we need to be careful and uh, be objective mm -hmm. and ask ourselves: Wait, this guy is always portraying this and this and this. This lady is always portraying that and that. But is that? 100% of what their lives are yeah. or is that 50%? Yeah, that is absolutely true. And I always feel that not only should you just focus on the end destination, that what they're having right now, maybe they earn like millions, the company is worth like a gazillion dollars. <laughs> they just right? sold their company for $50 yeah. million. Dollars. So don't just focus on that. Mm. But what I feel is to study and understand the challenges, the struggles that they had to go through to be where they are today because that would give you a more realistic understanding of how the world works, mm. of the real life challenges. And that will help you to kind of also take a more realistic objective of your sense of self, where you are at right now. What are the things realistically that you can work on right now to be where you want to be probably mm. in you know two years, five years from now? It could be success in relationships too. Yeah. A lot of people show on social media like, look, look look at my happy marriage and look at me and my spouse and look at me and my kids. But, you know, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And this is dangerous again in your uh, inability to be realistic in your decision making because now you, you, you're on a mission to find someone that you can marry so that you can replicate what that person has. Yeah. Not knowing that there's a lot of hard work in marriage, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. And then when your marriage does not work out, unfortunately, and then you get so hurt because you thought it was easy. Yeah. Because everyone has it. Yeah. But that's that's not a hundred percent the truth, and therefore we need to. Uh, pull ourselves back a little bit like the percentages I was talking about are they really portraying 100% of their life or less bring it down a few notches because usually you know that would help give you the clarity of thought that you need absolutely absolutely and let's go on to the next point the next tip and it is multitasking the smart way 
right? So I'm sure you've heard of this term multitasking. People say it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, in fact, there's actually a right and wrong way of multitasking. So I feel that a lot of times people think that, you know, this concept of multitasking, it increases their efficiency and their productivity. So for instance, um, if you're writing a report paper, and this is something that requires an intense um, and a cognitive part of your brain, Right, And while you're writing that report paper, you are also listening to a YouTube tutorial teaching you on how to make you know, um, your site income. And this task, it's also another cognitive task. Mm-hmm. Another example, replying your emails while you're driving. That's crazy. Like you're don't replying, your, your, please don't try this. <laughs> another example, you could be reading a book while you know, you're chatting with a friend who wants to engage in a deep conversation with you. So you realize that um, you can't do more than one task involving the same brain processing on body part. You know, you end up only absorbing a certain percentage of each of the tasks involved. And, you know, the moment you engage in multitasking, you know, in more than one cognitive task is when you actually waste a whole lot of time, mm. you know, in putting yourself back into the task because the brain cannot effectively do more than one cognitive task all at once. If I'm not wrong, you would be wasting about 21 minutes of trying to get back to the level of... St- uh, and the state that you were in mm-hmm. where, while you were doing that thing. That's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes <laughs> wasted. If, yeah. let's say, you have you work eight hours a day and you're productive only four hours. Yeah. And when you have so many things going on at one time, it's really not going to make you any more productive, yes. actually. Yes, yeah. The opposite effect. Absolutely. Because, you know, the brain not only um, adjusts to this, needs to adjust to the second task, right? But it also needs to remember where it stopped in the previous original task for it to then perhaps resume back again later. And, you know, research has shown that multitasking is not something to be proudly um, boasting about, you know, because people who multitask, they multitask not because they have the ability to do so but because they are less able to block out distractions and actually focus on a singular task Mm -hmm. at any one time Mm. because their minds are constantly distracted and that's not a good thing right because a mind that is distracted it makes it hard for you to think clearly so you know how can you then use multitasking because it's all not all that bad? So the trick with this is to pair an active task with a passive task. So, you know, an active task could include um, sending an email, writing your report, talking on the phone, having, you know, the conversation with someone, listening to a podcast, reading, right? So those are some examples of active task that uses the cognition part of the brain. Passive tasks could include things like um, loading the dishwasher, walking, showering, um, running a load of laundry. Passive <laughs> because you, it's, a, it's a no-brainer job, is it? Yeah, it kind of uses the part, the uh, subconscious part of your brain. Mm. is where your brain runs of, on autopilot. You don't. My, my wife calls it brainless tasks. <laughs> <laughs> you almost don't have to think too much about it. Yeah, mm. it just runs autopilot, mm-hmm. right? So those sort of tasks. Pair your active tasks with your passive task. So mm. when you do that, you can multitask. But if you're doing an active task with another active task, that's not multitasking, guys. That's single tasking, right? So a rule of thumb is this. When doing something that requires thinking, don't take on another task that also requires thinking as well. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, and the fifth and final tip is this: it's understanding the base rate fallacy. Wow. So what is base rate, right? Base rate is actually the probability of an event. Or outcome, and the base rate fallacy is actually our tendency to give our weight to the more event-specific information more than we should, and what happens is that we undervalue the actual probability of it happening and not really taking into account all relevant data, and this results in us, you know, stereotyping the information. So let me give you an example. If I were to give you a description of a man, okay, so this man. Is someone who is slim. He wears glasses. He wears a checkered shirt and a bow,、mm-hmm. and he loves listening to the classical Beethoven music.、Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna give you two options, Ustad,、mm-hmm. and I want you to let me know which one your mind first thinks of. I already have a thought in my head. Okay, so it's Josh Groban, <laughs> my favorite singer. Okay, anyway, go on. So a man、mm-hmm. who is slim wears glasses, checkered shirt and a bow,、mm-hmm. and loves listening to the classical Beethoven music. Right. So two options. Does he fall under the category of probably a prof? Professor who is teaching literature at Harvard University, or do you think he is a taxi driver? Josh Groban. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not、professor. one of the options. Professor,、mm-hmm. right? And that is a very common answer, right? Because I. But it's biased, right? Because it could also be a taxi driver. It could be right, and and that's the thing. I think it's important for us to really ponder and think: Why is it that our mind automatically? Gravitates towards that literature professor at Harvard University.、Mm. Why, why, right? So why is it that we quickly associate that description to that literature professor and not the taxi driver? Because if you were to take a look at the probability, it would actually be a higher probability of it being a taxi driver matching this description simply because there are way more taxi drivers out there. The sample pool is greater、mm-hmm. than if you were to actually find the pool of literature professors teaching at Harvard University、mm-hmm. that will actually match the description.、Exactly. Am I right? You are right. <laughs> Am I right? It reminds me of another <laughs> thing I posted. This was like maybe. Two thousand and eight on Facebook, two thousand nine on Facebook, long time ago. What happened was I posted that I I was driving, and then I saw um like a Malay uncle Pachi ah、mm-hmm. uh, beside me in a car, and he was driving a BMW Seven Series, yeah, big car, and I know he was a Pachi because of course he looked Malay and he had, <laughs>、uh, he was wearing songko on his head.、Okay. Um, first thought that came to mind: Wow, amazing! Ah,、uh, he has he he's he must be so successful.、Mm-hmm. Next thought that comes to mind: Wait a minute, maybe he's just a chauffeur, maybe he's just a driver to some other rich dude,、mm-hmm. right? Who's not even um you know orang kita, and so then I posted this on Facebook to get people's reactions,、yeah. and it was so diverse, you know,、uh-huh. the perspectives. Like some of them said. You know, we shouldn't be thinking that way because you know every person has their own right, and you never know. This guy probably owns ten of those cars, but then there are others who say, "Yeah, Mizi, you're probably right. He's just a driver for someone."、Mm-hmm. There's there's not a a chance that you know there are so many of those people out there, anyways. So、mm-hmm. the the likelihood of that is actually very low.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think what you just said earlier. Yeah, just reminded me of something I posted ten years ago. Yeah,、uh, and the kind of reactions I got, and I think from the reactions also you could see where 
everyone's biases is coming from their perspective or what they know of. The experiences, or what they it shapes everything, yeah. right? And I would like to give you another example of this base rate fallacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of food companies, they exploit this base rate fallacy on their packaging. I'm sure you've seen 50% extra free. Wow, right? Mm. So, and if you think, just by looking at that, 50% extra free, if you think that half of what you're looking at is free, then you've committed the base rate fallacy. So, let me give you an example. So, when you're buying six cans of Coke, mm. and they write I'm on the I'm glad you said Coke and not beer. <laughs> six cans of Coke, and then? Six cans of Coke, yeah? 50% <laughs> extra free. That's what it says on the packaging. Okay. Okay. So, let me ask you this. Six cans of Coke, 50% uh-huh. extra free. Uh-huh. How many cans do you think that you're getting for free? Three. Mm, right. So that is something, again, a very common answer. But I'm sorry, that's the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. So your mind would go, ooh, 50% of six cans is three cans. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting three cans for free. Mm-hmm. Great deal. But your mind forgot about what the original pack of Coke looked like. The original pack of Coke only had four cans. So, to derive the quantity of the 50%, it has to be based on the original quantity of the pack, which is four cans. So, technically, 50% of four cans, it's two. I think this is too much thinking. It's two cans, not three cans. It's too much thinking, (laughs) which is why people don't bother thinking. And they just agree with whatever that is suggested to them on packagings and on signboards um you know that so that's yeah you know like um you know how nowadays every time you go to some supermarket store i see this a lot more especially um at petrol stations Mm -hmm. when they have their mini mart there and i open the fridge to get a drink and it always tells me that one for 180 by two for 220. Yep. And it's a no-brainer. You you grab two. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I just only won one yeah. in the first place. Yeah. But I have to pay extra to get to mix to, to for it to make sense with my head. You know, my mm-hmm. head cannot accept the fact that I'm throwing away a chance yeah. to buy another one at four, 60 cents. And you're spending so, more in the end, yeah, right? So it's like it bothers me, you know, this thing always bothers me. And some, I, I tried one time, <laughs> insist, no, the person at the counter said, sir, uh, you can get another one for just uh, a few more cents. Uh, no, I just want one. <laughs> it felt really uncomfortable because one part of me feels like I'm so brave yeah. to go against whatever they're offering and trying to manipulate. But, the other part of me says, stupid, 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 you didn't buy, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, ugh, man. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, just sharing my <laughs> daily brain battles. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, we all go through um, these sort of like, you know, experiences and decisions that we have to make. So, you know, I feel It's that tiring that even when you want to get a bottle of water, you have to think a lot. Yeah. I, I feel that these are all part of the marketing gimmicks mm. to kind of lure, you know, um, customers to buy more, spend more. Mm. And I think for them, the, um, the more they confuse the customers the easier it is, I guess, for customers to just pay and not mm. really think too much because the mind um, the mind usually wants to take the easy way out, mm. right? And not really take a whole lot of processing time just to figure out on a single purchase, mm. <laughs> right? So I guess, I mean, like, even with that said, right, I feel that it is still important for us to be aware that 
um, our mind likes to take shortcuts. Mm-hmm. You know, so especially when it comes to bigger purchase. And if it's small purchase, like probably getting a, a pack of Coke, <laughs> it's all right. But especially if it's dealing with bigger purchases, it's important for us to be aware of all these biases that we have within us. Mm-hmm. So those are the five tips on, you know, decluttering your mind, mm-hmm. transforming your mind. First, getting rid of physical cluster. The second... Cluster? <laughs> when you cluster them, they are no longer cluttered. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's getting rid of physical clutter. <laughs> Number two, it's the awareness of the confirmation bias. Number mm-hmm. three, be aware of decision fatigue. Number four, multitask the smart way. And the fifth one, understand the concept of base rate fallacy. So that concludes the end of this beautiful episode on the art of thinking clearly. And we hope that gave you awesome insights on what you need to do for yourself, what you need to work on and discover in your beautiful mind. So here's leaving you a quote by Robin Sharma for you to ponder upon. Everything is created twice, first in the mind and then in reality. So thank you so much to each and every one of you for listening all the way through and we hope that gave you insights on your journey of introspection. Let us know what topics you'd like us to talk about, the guests that you'd like us to have on our show and don't forget to follow our Instagram where you'll get daily updates on new episode releases as well as awesome daily motivational quotes as well. So share this episode with your loved ones, spread the message of love and support for one another we can't wait for you to listen to the next episode in the meantime be bold be beautiful and stay the amazing you that you are take care everyone